do you want to be called Paul, Mayor Paul, doesn't matter? Oh, just Paul, yeah. Big P. A Apostle Paul is fine. You know. St. <laughs> Paul, you know, whatever. everyone thanks so much for tuning in i'm rob with rise and i sure hope your week is going well we spent last week announcing new artists that will be coming to rise fest 2021 if you haven't heard we have announced casting crowns matthew west we the kingdom and now zach williams and big daddy weave if you want to know more go to riseministries.com to check it out we sure hope you'll join us this june in sheldon iowa at rise fest 2021 you know, I, I know I say this often, but I'm excited about today's episode as I get to sit down with an old friend from way back in the day, Paul Tenhaken. And I get to ask Paul what it's like stepping out of a digital marketing company that he started and grew into a leader in that space to becoming the mayor of nearly 200,000 people and all that goes with that, especially leading his city through COVID. He has some great insight and I hope you're blessed and as always, friends, as you listen today, I hope you find a little more joy in your journey. All right, welcome everybody to Enjoying the Journey. I am so excited to sit down with our guest today. We call him Paul Tenhaken, but I'd also like to call him Mayor Paul because uh, he has uh, changed careers. So excited to sit down with him today and just hear about his journey. So Paul, for those listeners that don't know who you are, can you give us just a little bit of background who Paul Tenhaken is? Yeah, well, Rob, good to hear from you, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the First off, I probably have to start with my journey from Worthington, Minnesota, which is where I first knew you from, you know, and then our paths diverged, didn't hear from you for decades. And now I'm you know, we've come across each other again the past, you know, four or five years. So uh, I grew up in Worthington, Minnesota. Uh, I knew your little brother, Bill. Uh, I think Bill and I played some baseball together and stuff. And uh, and you and I did as well. But then uh, life brought me to uh, uh, to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, eventually for my career. I uh, married uh, to a beautiful woman named Jill. And we got three kids. And, um, and in 2000, moved to Sioux Falls. And I was in the marketing field uh, just to... Uh, graphic designer trying to hustle and do marketing and um, doing a lot of web work because in 2000, in the early 2000s, that's when the web development was taken off and uh, online marketing was taken off. And uh, and that led me ultimately to starting my own company uh, in 2008. I started a company called ClickRain here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. ClickRain uh, is what we call the marketing technology company. So we did everything from web development to digital marketing to CRM integrations and just kind of nerdy, you know, digital marketing stuff. Uh, and I ran that company for the next 10 years, but you know, it was during that time that um, also was put on my heart to, to serve in a different way and, and get involved in my community more. This is a great city, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I love it. Uh, and I just felt the desire and the calling to give back to the city and, and serve. And so that led me to uh, to ultimately running for this office of mayor. And in 2018, May of 2018, I was elected to serve as mayor. So I'm uh, I'm knocking on three years in, in this chair as the mayor of Sioux Falls. And uh, it's been a meat grinder of a journey, but uh, I've grown a lot from it. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. 
Wow, three years. I remember going back to when you started Click Rain. I called you up because we were somewhat new in the ministry as well and I needed a website. We met at Panera Bread talking about websites. Actually, I think our, our paths crossed way back when. Was there a company called Electric Pulp? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Did something? we talk to them when I was there? Okay. Yes, that's when our, I think that's when our paths crossed. Then you started out on your own. I was like, man, I would love to have that guy, but he's, he's way above my, my it's, level of... It's too expensive. He's too expensive. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and it was so fun to watch uh, Click Rain just grow. And, and yeah, you were playing it modest as, you, you know, you guys were in the digital world. Yeah, you were in the digital world because you were leading it in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was... Well, what was interesting is I started the company in 08. And in 08, Barack Obama had just been elected to the White House. And, and President Obama used digital marketing like no one had ever seen in politics before. Huh. Um, and he, he would do things like, uh, you know, they'd send out a fundraising email and half the people would go to a page where it was a picture of him. Half would go to a page where it was a picture of Michelle and the girls. And they found out that when they show Michelle Obama, people gave more money. So it was you know, that concept of A-B testing and using different oh, pictures wow. and, and how he was able to raise money. And, and so after that election, all these politicians were like, dude, we got to figure out this digital thing. And that's where we found a niche early. I, I then, over the next decade, worked with politicians a lot and mm. helping advise them on their digital marketing strategies, how to reach constituents, different voter groups. Uh, and that's where I kind of started to, you know, sharpen the axe a little bit in the political space. And where I started to get interested in politics was working with these campaigns as a digital consultant. Oh, that's cool. Well, and, and you brought up service, you know, that, that's why you started looking at the role of mayor. But you've had a servant's heart from looking from the outside in. I'm, I'm talking from my perspective. You've had a servant's heart for a long time because Click Rain wasn't just about digital marketing I know that you had a heart for service. I know you had a heart for other business owners to get involved. I know that you have spent a lot of time in Haiti. Mm -hmm. That uh, that has been a place where you have served and and uh, helped out. Uh, are are you still involved with going? I remember I ran into you in the airport in the Haitian airport in 2019, and I was like, "What? God, that's right! <laughs> I forgot about that too." Yeah, that was crazy. That's right. Yes, dude. I still go to Haiti. Uh, we're supposed to go in January this year. That got moved to April, and now we've we've axed the April trip too, just with some of the testing requirements to get back in country and that wow. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, talking about just just serving where God places you, it's you know, my belief on on that is, you know, an, an occupation. You know, just it occupies our time. It's the root word of that. And mm -hmm. and uh, sometimes our calling gets confused with our career. And a career is not, uh, for a lot of people, isn't a calling. So so I feel my calling that God has put in my heart is to just serve people. And how can I serve people? And, um, you know, try and be the hands and feet of Christ wherever I can to whoever, uh, whoever I can. And that may be as a business owner in sure. a digital marketing business. It may be as a mayor. Uh, it may someday be as a greeter at Hy-Vee. I mean, I don't know where God's taken me, but my, my calling, I'm pretty confident in that just to serve people. And so uh, I'm masquerading right now as a mayor who knows where it will be in the next several years. And so that's where I, I you know, talk to groups a lot. And I see too, too often we get, you know, our identity gets wrapped up in 
our business card in the end you say you know this is who i am and this is what i do well what you do and who you are are different things we get them confused and so that creates a real identity problem then when you retire or when you lose that job sure. like dude that was that's my everything that's my identity and our identity is in christ you know our identity is as sons and daughters of christ that's where our identity has to be found and the and the job and the career uh we have to just be open to god calling us to wherever he can use us uh, at that point in time. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Di uh, Click Rain, the digital marketing stuff, was kind of your your baby. Yeah. And so you, did you ever feel as though that's how you were known? Paul, the marketing guy who led digital, I mean, digitally in our area, I still look at you as one of the experts. And so now you feel God starting to pull you with that service attitude into something completely different, was it ever challenging to go, oh man, I lost my identity. I was the click rain guy or I was totally. the business guy. And, and how totally. through that? Well, I think uh, our careers can become idols too, in a lot of ways. And, and I was, um, you know, as our company was growing and we were getting bigger and we were making more money, you start to get a, a bravado and a confidence in your own skills and your own abilities. And, um, you know, there were times I, I needed to be humbled because um, I think I felt like, well, this company's growing because of me. And wow. I think in, in, I remember having a discussion with my wife at one point saying, God, this company's starting to feel a little bit like an idol. And, and I think I have to start stepping away from this a little bit because I'm getting kind of sucked in. Uh, in and now that, that may sound counterintuitive because it doesn't mean if you have a, a successful business that that's bad or that's wrong. Sure. But when it starts to become your everything and it starts to consume you, then it is then it does become a problem. So for me, um, uh, I talk to people about philanthropy sometimes and giving. And, and when you have money, uh, let's say someone gives you $100 mm -hmm. and you just take that $100 and you just give it to someone else. There's just money loses its grip on you because it's uh, you had it and you gave it away and that feeling of giving it away, um, you don't long for it back because you saw the how it blessed someone else. And I felt that way with my company. It's like I, I got rid of it. I never miss it. I've, I've, there's wow. never been a day where I've missed it. Uh, where I miss going to work there. It doesn't mean I didn't love it, but right. it's like it doesn't have a grip on me anymore. And I just kind of walked away from it. And it was uh, it was hard at first, but now um, I don't miss it one bit. And you probably enjoy seeing the success of it uh, growing even without you there. Yeah, they're still growing. And it's it's like having a child, you know, where you see your kid grow up and pretty soon your kid doesn't need you and your kid only calls once a month. And you're just like, man, you know, I, I, I invested in that kid. Yeah. They wouldn't be where they are today without me. And now they don't even call me. How and, did and you know you're talking about, I have an 18 year old son. All right. So uh, we've got uh, six months left with him and mm -hmm. he graduates. Mm -hmm. and that young man, as you and I are speaking right now is on his way back from Omaha because he just enlisted in the guard. Oh, good for him, man. Yeah. So, you want to talk about releasing, but, but dad wasn't ready to let go yet. Dad, Weren't dad you? was holding on, but no, I'm proud of him. Of course, I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm all of the above, but I mean, he's been a, yeah, he's been a part of your life for 18 years and now all of a sudden he's going to be bye-bye. 
You know, and there's no greater to... responsibility God gives us than raising those men and women, those our sons and daughters to be, you know, rooted in faith and grow up as good Christian, you know, men and women. So to see your son at this point in life going off to, you know, you know, not to serve in this way, you got to look back and be like, man, I've, I've, I've done it. You know, I've, I've, I've helped him get to this point. There's a satisfaction in that, but there's also a little bit of grieving, you know, and that you know, they don't, they don't need me as much anymore. And that's hard to reconcile. I know. Although I, God keeps me humble because I got two little, li, not little, but 15 and 13 at home, two daughters, and they seem to still need me a lot, or at least, you know, the money that comes with dad paying for gas and food. Yep. Yeah. They don't want to admit they need me, but, but they sure like when dad and mom puts gas in their car. Yes. <laughs> which is crazy. But moving from, from digital marketing to becoming mayor, so you build this successful company, you're wrestling with the idea of letting it go. Of course, you have a wife and, and, and kids. What was that transition like moving from, I know I have this, so I'm going to run for an office that I may win or I may not win. And what was your wife thinking during all of this? What happens if, if Paul doesn't become mayor? Now, mm -hmm. now what do we do? Well, it was interesting because I uh, exited that business, uh, Click Rain, before I decided to run for office. Okay. And so it, it all happened in the same year. And so it was a huge leap of faith. It wasn't like, oh, if I don't win this race, I just go back to my company. It's like, all right, God made it pretty clear that that chapter was to close. All right, you need to be done there. And so I did. And I got into this, uh, this election, quite honestly, um, expecting to lose <laughs> you know i feel like okay. you know there were some great candidates and some great people running and i'm just like i'm i'm gonna answer the call to serve and to run i think god wants me to run i'm not sure he wants me to win but mm -hmm. he does want me to run so i'm gonna do that i'm gonna do it honorably i'm gonna probably lose and then i'll go on to whatever the next calling in life is well he had plans for me to win right. and so i did and uh my wife uh, my wife's just an incredibly supportive, um, I think I'd describe her as super chill, you know, okay. she is, her faith is incredible. Uh, she puts a lot of confidence and trust in, in me, uh, and in the decisions that we're making as a family. And, uh, she, she just knew that this was a step we needed to take together as a family and we did it. And, uh, and that kind of leads a little bit to how you how do you serve in this role when you have three young kids and a wife and balancing all those different hats you have to wear? Uh, that's probably been the hardest part, you know, of everything. But uh, but I'm blessed to have a great partner in my wife alongside me in this journey. Well, and that's that's a whole nother topic that we could talk hours about. Is a great partner. Uh, you're blessed with a great wife. I honestly believe I'm blessed with a with a great wife. And when you have a partner like that transitions aren't always easy but it's a little mm -hmm. bit more helpful when they're supporting you and you don't want to let them down and yeah their faith comes into it and i thank god every day that i have a beautiful woman at home that is so supportive uh, that gal gives and gives and gives and gives mm -hmm. and i can't say enough nice things about her because mm -hmm. she is a saint most people that know me are like yeah of course she is she's married to you <laughs> hey, <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'll tell you, being married to guys like us, you know, you're a hard charger too. Uh, it's, you got to have a little bit of patience if you're going to be yes. the spouse of like a, a type A hard charger. Yeah. And, and uh, my wife has a lot of patience and she'll just be all right, Paul, that's what we're going to do. Let's, let's go. 
and never once is she like, are you sure? I don't want you to do this. If you do this, I'm going to leave you. I mean, not, not, nothing like that. She's just like, I'm here for you, man, whatever, whatever you need. That's awesome. So now you, like you said, you knew God was calling you to run, but maybe not win. Now you win. I was super excited for you. I'm not even a Sioux Falls guy. I get there enough just because our communities are within driving distance. We partner with different organizations in Sioux Falls. So I'm there quite a bit. So those that are listening are thinking, well, why are you so supportive of Sioux Falls if you don't actually live there? Well, because I'm there enough and still spend dollars there. And I love watching what you've done, your team has done in Sioux Falls. So you go from, okay, God, I'll run, to he opens the door to winning. You're charging, you're doing great things again from afar. I'm saying this from afar. And then all of a sudden, you have a pretty major tornado come through the community. You have the threats of possible riots. And then COVID. How do you continue to enjoy the journey when you are trying to lead? And help me if I'm wrong on my math here, but almost 200,000 people in the metro area and all of that is on your plate. Well, um, you know, I know the title of your podcast here is Enjoying the Journey. And, and I have to remind myself often that um, this is an honor, you know, to be serving in this role. Because it's easy to forget that. It's easy just to uh, say, woe is me. And man, this stinks. And why did this happen during my term? And why can this happen during the last guy's term or the next lady's term or whatever? Um, but there are, you know, aisles and aisles of books at Barnes and Noble and you go on Amazon, you go on the leadership section of books and there's, there's, there's thousands of books written on leadership and leading through crisis. And, and I've been blessed the opportunity to actually live through that. Like, yeah. this isn't just theory. I get to like put this stuff into action. What an honor, what a privilege this is to serve that God would pick me to do this, you know, and do this work right now. So you have to switch your mindset from one of, um, of just kind of lamenting your circumstances to saying, well, how lucky am I that I, you know, that I get to lead during this time and it's an honor. And uh, if you don't go into these things with that attitude, the circumstances are just going to drain you. So I've had to lean really heavily on my faith the last couple of years. You know, you're, you mentioned some, we have, we've had record flooding in our city and we had three tornadoes come through our city and we're dealing with the racial and social justice issues in Sioux Falls, just like they are all over the country. And, and COVID has been an absolute, just, just challenge like none other. And then the political climate on top of that, of this past year has also been like none other. The country is more divided. The dialogue chasm is wider than it's ever been, you know, right now. Uh, and so I think that um, you have to step back from all those things that you could say are negative circumstances and say, okay, then why did God put me in this chair right now? And what's he calling me to do? How is he calling me to act? And someone asked me recently, they're like, man, with this dialogue chasm that you just mentioned, Paul, it's so why, what, what can you do to fix that? I mean, you're one guy and, and it's like, all we can do is, is just model the way right now. We got to model the way for, you know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if, if he was the mayor? What would Jesus do if he was a governor or your city councilor, your school board member? How would we want him to lead? Uh, and then we should try and emulate that. Uh, obviously, we all fail at that. And we're, you know, multiple times a day. 
But that always is the ultimate benchmark to use when trying to determine how to deal with these tough circumstances, realizing there's so many opinions and so many people that are hurting right now that uh, having an empathetic and loving approach to dealing with those conflicts is really, really important. Do you, do you ever find yourself uh, letting the whispers get into your mind? I should have done it better. I could have done it better. You shouldn't be in this seat. Not, not saying you're hearing it from the outside. I'm saying within. So often. Oh, I'm here from the outside, brother. Don't yeah, worry. No, I, I, <laughs> how do you? Is it just thick skin or? or, or yeah. You know, it's I have to tell myself a lot that, um, you know, hurt people hurt people. Mm. So there are everyone's got a hall pass for the last 12 months just to be really vitrolic. It's like that's almost become the new norm. And that's not the norm. And we have to go back to that being unacceptable behavior. So you know, my skin's gotten extremely thick. I let most things, there's not many people that can get me down anymore. The only people that get me down is, is myself and those whispers, like right. you said, and self-doubt. And I, I would say there's not a person in this world that doesn't wrestle with self-doubt. Right. You know, am I the right person for this? Should I be doing this? God, am I making the right decisions? Um we all deal with that. And I deal with that. I don't want to say on a daily basis, but, but pretty close. Um, and all we can do when those thoughts creep in is just rest in the reassurance that, listen, God's got a plan for me. I'm where I'm supposed to be right now. Uh, I'm going to rely on him to help me through some of these challenges I need to make. I'm going to do my best. And when my head hits the pillow, I want to be able to say, I did everything I can. I made the right decisions. I'm where I need to be. Uh, and tomorrow we'll do it all over again. Yeah, see, this is why I love talking to you, because I love seeing it on on Twitter or wherever you're talking. Just the idea of I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to rely on God. I'm going to trust that he put me in the right place. And I'm going to think about others when I make decisions. And when I say think about others, I'm going to think about them as Jesus thought about them. And I think when we do that, it just changes a perspective. It totally does, because we live in a, a world right now where... If, if you and I disagree on something, it, I immediately hate you. Okay? Right. If, you're, if you're a Republican and I'm a Democrat, you, know, you are instantly a bad person. You're wrong on so many levels. I'm right on so many levels. And that's just not the way it should be. And I, you, know, you, know, you look at how, how Jesus led while he was on earth, and he was not judging people and saying, your view is wrong or you were wrong. He was, he was teaching the truth, but doing it in love. Right. And I think doing that in love is what's lost. It's not that I have to, um, you know, be supportive of a position that I feel is wrong or that I feel is, is you know, morally unaligned with mine. But I can have conversations and try and, you know, show people my side of an angle and say, so I still love you, man. Yeah. You know, I'm not judging you. I love you. We disagree on this and that's OK. You know, we have different opinions, but just like I'm seeking to understand you, I hope you're seeking to understand me and we can still live in community together. Right. Rather than shouting at each other and disliking yeah. somebody just because of a, a thought process. It, it reminds me of the verse in the New Testament where it says, you know, always give the reason for the hope that you have, but but also do it with gentleness and, and respect. And I think the word respect has been kind of thrown out of the vocabulary right now it's like have we forgotten what respect is 
And just because somebody looks different, acts different, talks different, does not mean we cannot respect them anymore or love them anymore. It may be hard at times, but we've got to get back to that and, and love one another and open doors for each other and yeah. say, hey, when you're on the sidewalk. Well, and, and unfortunately, Rob, I think from a guy who started a company kind of based around social media in 2008, mm -hmm. uh, I've seen it evolve in the last 10, 12 years to a very evil tool mm -hmm. and to, to a tool that, well, it can be used for good. It sure is used for evil a lot and it's used to divide and the devil loves social media man he just he uses it to fracture relationships uh, to break down those barriers of respect that used to exist that are that are eroding uh, and so that's something that I'm, I'm a little bit on of a crusade right now when i when i speak with people to encourage them to really take an inventory of how social media is affecting your life your news consumption your belief systems your relationships with others um, your relationship with your family, how much time are you investing in that and, and, and not in the word or not with your family? And, and I'm not preaching to everybody else. I'm looking inward as well to myself. And, and I've had to set barriers and remove apps and just do things to start to create a little bit more of a, a calm in my own mind that, you know, was starting to get out of control because of the kind of the vitriolic nature of social media right now. Well, in, in, yeah, you bring up a great point with that, that whole FOMO thing, fear of missing out. And then those whispers that I was mentioning earlier, a lot of mine come when I scroll through social media because everybody yeah. looks to have it better. They've accomplished more. They've reached more people. They say it better. They're well, they're more well-spoken. And then, like I said, I've got an 18, a 15 and a 13 year old and just watching what it does in, in their lives. Now I understand I'm the parent, I need to set boundaries, et cetera. But just this whole idea of you are never disconnected, good totally. or bad or indifferent. And watching that on young people, ha, huh, it sometimes really stresses out my heart because the bullying side of things can just go to a whole new level because you can never shut it off. And uh, if, if, there's, if there's one message I have for my kids, um, it's often the one about teaching just self-control and becoming self-aware of how much the digital, um, the digital world is impacting their life. And I mean, my kids just get nervous if their phone isn't on them, if their yeah. phone isn't around. It's like, oh man, we, we, the fact that you get this worked up if you don't have your phone on you, that's not a good sign. That's like, that's like what an addict feels when they don't have, you know, yeah. a shot of heroin on them. So we got to fix that. And we so I, I'm working on that with my own kids. I think most parents can relate to that one. Yeah. You just uh, pretty much made me feel guilty because I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure if I threaten to take the phone away, there is uh, screaming, yelling, flailing on the floor. I mean, mm -hmm. I, honestly, <laughs> it's like an addict that doesn't have their, mm -hmm. their drug of choice. And it's like, you gotta, you gotta back off. You know, you gotta get off that thing for a while. You need to engage in the world. Look around when we're in the car, look outside the window, right? <laughs> when we're at a restaurant, look up and have a conversation, right? <laughs> and it's just the small things. That look at these two old men, two old dads. <laughs> get off your, get off your phone. God, put that down.
I know. Talk I, to me. I hit that that over forty age, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm that I'm that old guy now. Yeah. But the whole and you know that's why we're doing the podcast as well and calling it enjoying the journey is we understand everybody's story is different. Everybody has different adversity in their lives, and we want to come together, have a conversation, and talk about you know if you're in this situation or that situation, you might be listening right now, and you have those kids at home where you just want to take that phone and throw it out the window or throw it in the lake or wherever. Mm -hmm. Or you may be where we started. You're in a career change. You feel God telling you to take a ginormous leap of faith right now and leave something that you've known and go into a whole new land that that he's calling you to and and, and what does that look like mm -hmm. and then the other side of it is you may be kind of in a wrestling match right now with a difference of opinion whether that would be a family member a colleague could even be your spouse i mean let's be honest not all spouses see things eye to eye politically sometimes even philosophically or theologically and so wherever somebody's at today i think you're an awesome leader i think you lead well i think you lead with faith i think you lead with humility but also confidence so as as we wrap things up today what are some takeaways that you would somebody whether they're struggling with teenagers and social media they're feeling called to another thing or they're wrestling in in the mm -hmm. social injustices what what kind of takeaways would you give them well uh I'm a big word of the year guy. I know some people are, are believers in that. You said a yep. word every year. It's kind of your theme word for the year. I've done it the last three or four years, and it's really grounded me. And this year, my word is thankful. I got a bracelet on with the word thankful on it. And and what do I mean by thankful? Well, when we talk about enjoying the journey, let's say you have that child who's spending too much time online, and you don't know what to do with them anymore. Well, you, you, you're lucky you have a child. You know how many people would love to have a child? You're lucky you have discretionary income to buy your child a phone. You know, and you're lucky your child has has vision and the mental capacities to be able to use that phone. You know, the way it's intended to be used. And there's just so many things that we take for granted, and we focus on so many first world problems. Man, I just see so many people worked up about what I'll call first world problems, and it's. And this is going to be funny, but it's it's potholes or their neighbor's lawn is too long or their snow didn't get cleared. And they just go, they just lose it. They're so angry. And man, we live in the best country in the world that has existed for hundreds of years. And yes, elections come and go and leaders change and you may not agree, but we have so much to be thankful for. It's almost embarrassing. And, and you and I know this because we go to Haiti. And I, that's why I'd like to bring people with me to Haiti because I'm like, you will come back from there and you will never take for granted that your toilet flushes or that your toilet has water in it. Like right. You could technically drink that water if you needed to. Yeah. We were talking to a Haitian guy once and he said, do you know that you you go bathroom into clean water? Like mm. who does that? Mm. He, he just was like blown away that we I, I take a pee right into clean water. Right. And I do. And I'm like, yes. oh, I've never even thought about that before, mm -hmm. you know? So bottom line, Rob, I think a, an attitude of gratitude and just thankfulness going into 2021 is so needed because we're focused on a lot of the problems, having to wear masks. When am I going to get a vaccine? Will my kids be able to have their high school basketball tournament or not? I mean, 
But a lot of these things, and I'm not downplaying the severity of the pandemic or anything else, but things will get through. Um, we have much to be thankful for. And we have to continue to focus on that because the, the negativity can really start to seep in. Those whispers can get us down. And uh, being thankful for what the Lord has given us is really, really going to be important this year. I think that is well said and perfect. I think yeah. that's exactly it. You, uh, you convicted my heart again. Good, I good buddy. I, I don't know. It Lord. didn't need convicting, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. yeah. No, there's times where you just get down. You look at your circumstances. I was actually just in a lunch today before I jumped on with you on this podcast and, and just talking about some of the stresses and some of the things that are changing and uh, you're worried about and, you know, the future's unknown, right? And I'm not just talking about political or, or financial or whatever. In my world, it would be physical and things like that. And I get a little wound up and, and nervous about that. But at the end of the day, when you put it back into perspective, Rob, be thankful that you have a loving wife. Rob, be thankful that you have a, a son who wants to serve. Be thankful that you have a daughter that, yeah, they stress you out, both of them a little bit. But you got two of them. And you do mm -hmm. laugh together a lot mm -hmm. when you're not yelling at each other. <laughs> you know, right. just all of it's such a simple thing. Just yeah. take inventory of all that God has given you and your heart just goes up. And then I want to go back to one last thing that you said, because I think this is great for listeners as well, because this does increase your your joy or your thankfulness is if somebody gives you $100, give it away. And that doesn't mean I'm telling you to give all your money away. I'm just saying the next time you have the opportunity to give, give and see what happens. Give. Give money loses its grip on you. The more you give it away, the less you desire to hang on to it. And it's just, it kind of has this inverse effect. The more you hoard it, the more you want to keep hoarding it. The more you give it away, it's just, it loses its grip on you. And it's a really cool thing I've, I've seen happen in people. And it's, it's fun to watch. That's awesome. Paul, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, man. Leading uh, Sioux Falls as well. Keep up the good work. We, we're rooting for you, praying for you and uh, just love it. Thanks, Rob. Good chatting with you, buddy. You betcha. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast, brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.